The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of My Stress Alarm. So this week, I was thinking about disorders, specifically autoimmune disorders. I don't know what got me thinking about this. Um, It may have been a conversation I had. But anyway, the fact that in the conventional Western world, uh, the diagnosis of an autoimmune disorder seems to be independent of lifestyle, behavior, and environment. Now, your health is determined by three factors, right? Your environment, your behavior, and your genetics. But if you label something as a disorder even though in most cases they don't know what the cause of the disorder is. In many cases, they suspect it's genetics, but they can't prove it. And in, and in many cases, it could be partly genetics, but it's very complicated as with like uh, digestive disorders. But the label is what I want to focus on because when you label a health condition as a disorder, you're basically referring to genetics, right? Because you wouldn't say that your behavior is a disorder, Although not to confuse things, but there are specific behavioral disorders like attention deficit disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. These are behavioral disorders, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about autoimmune disorders and behavior as it relates to that. So when something is labeled as a disorder, the insinuation here is that there is a disorder within your body. So basically genetics. Because again, in in the case of presenting symptoms to a doctor of some kind of an autoimmune response, your behavior is not what's being labeled the disorder or, or your environment for that matter. Now, that's not to say that those factors are not being considered in the research, your, your environment and your, and your lifestyle and your behavior. And, And let me preface by saying that I realize there's a very specific medical definition of the word disorder. I get that. But the basic argument here is I can say stress triggers my ulcerative colitis. I'm just using ulcerative colitis as an example, but this can go for pretty much any autoimmune disorder. And by the way, that that doesn't mean it's the same for every patient with uh, ulcerative colitis either. There's definitely a big percentage of ulcerative colitis patients that feel strongly that stress triggers their flares. But I'm sure there are many patients who don't think that stress has anything to do with it. So, um, but the basic argument here, the way I see it for calling something a disorder is that only one to one and a half percent of people in the population have ulcerative colitis, period. So when the other 98 or 99% get stressed, their colons don't become inflamed. Now, They may suffer from heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else 
that may or may not be stress-related, but nevertheless, their colons do not become inflamed. But yet for the few one to one and a half percent of us ulcerative colitis patients, it does. All other things being equal, lifestyle, environment, hence it must be some kind of disorder in the genes. The term disorder relies on your case, your body, being compared with something considered a quote-unquote normal body. Point being that your body shouldn't react the way it does, even under stressful conditions, because 98 to 99% of other people's bodies don't react that way. So your body is reacting abnormally if you're a ulcerative colitis patient like me. Now, there is some truth to that. It's undeniable. But the reason I bring it up is because there's another way to look at this. If we just focus on one single case, let's take my case. My body works pretty well if my stress level stays below my stress threshold which in chronic stress monitoring, your, your threshold number is the highest level of stress that you can withstand without triggering symptoms. So as long as I stay below my threshold, my body works pretty normally. In other words, I'm not flaring up. I'm not presenting symptoms uh, that there's anything wrong. In fact, you could argue that if I had never exceeded my threshold, then I would never have presented symptoms. So I would have never made an appointment with a gastroenterologist and would have never been prescribed a colonoscopy and would never have been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Even though my genetics haven't changed, it's just my lifestyle that would have been different in, in this scenario. Because the whole process of being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, or most other autoimmune disorders, I imagine, starts with the patient making an appointment with the doctor because they have bothersome symptoms. That's how the process starts. Now, what's weird is that if you take a man-made machine, like a car, it's the total opposite attitude. In other words, a lot more emphasis initially is put on the behavior of the driver. If I take my car off-road and I have a normal sedan, chances are I'm going to damage it pretty badly because it's not designed to be driven off-road. That's the first thing a mechanic is going to say, you know, to me when I bring my car in. Like, what? where the heck have you been driving this thing, right? So the initial focus will be on the stress that I put the car through. So if you just look at a single case and say, hmm, when I work really hard all the time and don't get enough rest, I seem to flare up. Are you going to care that the next person could withstand that stress or, or maybe they have different but much milder symptoms than you? Is that really relevant to you? Or are you going to pay more attention to the behavior that seems to be correlating with your symptoms? I think the latter. Now, in order to make changes to your lifestyle, I would suggest that it's not as simple as okay, I'm going to go to sleep earlier and I'm going to meditate every day for a half hour and I'll do yoga twice a week or whatever. It's not that simple. Now, for some people, very few, mind you, they can change their lifestyle seemingly on a dime. But I would suggest that they, they were already in a good position to make those lifestyle changes. But it's rare in general because there's probably a reason or two behind why your lifestyle has developed into what it is. So for example, if you work really hard on your goals 
And as a result, you have chronic stress and you don't get enough sleep. Well, that's important to know because your lifestyle is being influenced by your intrinsic motivation, which is the natural drive and ambition you have to achieve your goals, however difficult that may be, and how that sometimes competes with your need to sleep and rest. In other words, you have competing priorities because you obviously think your health is important, but your goals are important as well. In fact, I would argue that we're not what I call health zombies. We don't strive to be healthy just for the sake of being healthy and and no real underlying reasons. There's purpose to our lives. We have a purpose that brings meaning to our lives. It's what motivates us to get out of bed each morning. And that purpose, that passion, usually trumps health, even though they're interwoven. Because, you know, without fairly good health, you can't really succeed, right? But you've been taking risks with your health, most likely unknowingly. And now your body's talking to you and saying, hey, I know these goals are important, but I just can't handle all this work without proper rest. Now, you could be educated as to why a certain lifestyle change reduces the risk of developing certain short and long-term health issues. You could be nudged to make those changes, but ultimately it comes down to motivation. And what determines your motivation? I would suggest your level of determination to reach your goals is what determines your motivation to do anything including, and perhaps especially, making lifestyle changes. If someone asked me for one word that describes me, I would say determined. And so when it comes to behavior change, my level of motivation to change is directly related to my determination and my satisfaction level at any given moment that I'm on my way to achieving my goals. The way I define determination is you start with the end, which is achieving your goal. There is no possibility in the mind of a determined person of not achieving their goal. Failure and giving up are not in your vocabulary. So in your mind, you're starting from the end and working your way backwards, which determines how you live each day, your routines. Now, you may not be doing this consciously, but you're doing it. It shapes your attitude and how you feel in general. If you feel like you're falling behind or not making much progress on your goals for whatever reason, you're probably going to start feeling a little anxious and you're probably not going to be as open to making lifestyle changes, even simple ones, especially if you can't directly tie them to your goals. In other words, your gut feeling about your progress towards your goals is the biggest driver of your behavior. And this is what my sustainability planning matrix is all about, which I cover um, in episodes 9 and 10, Beyond Chronic Stress Monitoring, um, episode 25, How to Be a Workaholic in Three Easy Steps, and episodes 45, 46, and 48, How to Go from Being Reactive to Proactive. So I won't get too much into that, but I, you know, just as a refresher, the X axis represents your level of satisfaction with the progress you're making on your goals. So it's not just your bandwidth for goals, how much time you're able to focus on your goals, but how close is that 
to the amount of time you think you need in order to have any decent chance of reaching your goals. So there's no wrong answer here. It's all based on your feelings, which is really important because you have that natural drive, that intrinsic motivation. And that natural drive is part of who you are. You can't change that any more than you can make yourself taller. So you have to satisfy that drive first. Then the y-axis represents how much rest you're getting each day on average. My goals may take many years to achieve, but as long as I feel that I'm on the road to success and I'm satisfied with the progress I'm making toward my goals, then my motivation increases to do things to help my health as long as I don't feel that by making those lifestyle changes, it will somehow jeopardize my chances of success. It's a gut feeling. You can't ask someone to, to articulate why they think it would jeopardize their chances of success. And then if they can't articulate it, then the answer is to ignore those feelings and proceed with the lifestyle change. It doesn't work that way. So with chronic stress monitoring, the motivation to make lifestyle changes including using my stress alarm in the first place, which, you know, even though it only takes a minute a day, it's still something extra that you have to do every day. So that in and of itself is a lifestyle change. So the motivation to start monitoring your chronic stress is actually just a, an extension of your intrinsic motivation to achieve your goals. You're leveraging your existing motivation to achieve your goals to make some lifestyle change. It's just an extension of the overall plan. It's not separate and distinct from your life goals. The thing that I think is a mistake that coaches and other practitioners make is in saying it doesn't have to be either or, Adam, reaching your goals versus, you know, improving your health. You could do both at the same time. I don't think that's very effective because by framing it that way, they're separating the two. And therefore, now they have to try to motivate you to make lifestyle changes independent of your other priorities and intrinsic motivation. Well, uh, I'm going to have to continue this in a future episode because it's a lot to squeeze into one episode. Anyway, I really value your feedback, so please don't be shy. You can post a comment on the Perfect Stress Facebook page. Or always feel free to email me directly at adam at perfectstresscoaching.com. Please stay safe, wishing you good health and success, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for tuning in, and if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, don't let stress get in the way of success.